Welcome back to the PropTech Ramble. I'm Michael Grant. Hi everyone, I am Charlotte. Yeah, so I'm Sam. I'm my own blog now. <laughs> <laughs> um, plug away. PropTech for us as Metricus is, again, it's not just new, it is legacy as well. That's what it's all about, really, apart from me rambling on like I'm doing now. So, uh, That's why it's called PropTech, right? <laughs> That's very true. That's very true. <laughs> Hello everyone and welcome to another PropTech Ramble. Uh, today I am joined by Simon Gosling, uh, the CMO of QuietMark. Simon, you have uh, quite a long and varied bio. I was going to try and read the whole lot, but that would probably take up most of the podcast because you have done a hell of a lot of stuff. So <laughs> It is a 30-year career, so don't, <laughs> don't worry. <laughs> so uh, the QuietMark is an independent uh, global certification associated with UK Noise Ambient uh, Abatement Society, I should say, uh, the charitable foundation. So you use a lot of scientific testing in the work that you guys do, uh, but you're, you were appointed uh, in 2021, you were appointed uh, the Home and Sound uh, Advisories of Well also. That's right. Uh, but was, also, yeah. you've done a lot around masterclasses in uh, VSX, VFX and tech trends and a yeah. whole heap of other stuff. So That's welcome right. welcome to the podcast. Thank you for being <laughs> on. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for inviting me to do this. It's a pleasure to be taking part. So, so rather than me do it really badly, just want to let every, give everyone kind of a bit of background on who you are and what you do. Okay, well, as you eloquently put, I'm Simon Gosling and I'm the Chief Marketing Officer at QuietMark. And I'm also normally sat where you are. I'm the host of the QuietMark podcast. So it's interesting to be uh, answering the questions today <laughs> rather than asking them. Um, but as you're quite right, so QuietMark, uh, I'm their Chief Marketing Officer. So I sort of help with their storytelling strategy, if you like. Um, we're on a mission to improve well-being and health through improved uh, acoustics and reduced noise. And so essentially when people say, well, what is QuietMark? I, I kind of make it easy by saying, we make it easier for consumers and trade buyers in commercial buildings to find the quietest products. And when I say quietest products, there's two ways to look at that. There's things that produce a noise, a kettle, a washing machine. So we only certify the quietest 10 to 20% of uh, those any, of any product. And you'll see it in John Lewis, in Argos, in Varys, in Curry's. When you see that purple Q, you know it's been scientifically tested and you know it's in the quietest on the market. The other I thing know. we also certify is the things that improve acoustics, things that don't make a sound, but that could be windows, floors, doors, ceilings. Yeah. They don't make a sound, but they can improve the sound. sound and quality. so we uh, look at the sound tests of those products and we verify that data as a third-party certification. And then we've uh, quite much certifies building products because we're, like I say, wanting just to make it easier. When people see the queue, they know it's been tested and they know it's going to yeah. help uh, improve acoustic comfort. Nice. Well, the Nutribullet in the kitchen definitely doesn't have a cue on it, uh, but we, <laughs> we 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 don't have one of those anymore. We've we've changed. I won't do any plugs for what we've got now, but it's really good and it's much quieter. But uh, I will say to you actually on that Nutribullet thing, um, you know, quiet is an interesting thing. We don't just certify decibels, Michael. We also certify tonalities because a Nutribullet or a food processor or a blender, yeah. they have to make a noise to chop up food. There's no such thing as a silent product. No, but you can have true, two. Yeah. You can have two which produce similar decibels, but one can scream and the other one can hum the screamer yeah. isn't going to get the quiet mark whereas the hum yeah. uh, because of the way it's being you know tonalities frequencies these are other things yeah, to yeah. take into consideration yeah and, and that makes perfect sense because the one that we have bought since we we ditched the neutral bullet because it started to die anyway but it's a much bigger machine yeah. and it can you know it can blend much more much denser 
things as well and it doesn't care about frozen stuff but it is it, it does obviously make a noise because it's a, a blender but it is mm. so much quieter and the tone is completely different so it's it's really interesting and so, with someone who has tinnitus which i do right. the the nutrible that after it had been run my ears would ring this thing is i can stand beside all day long because when i used to turn the nutrible on i used to put my fingers in my ears and then quickly take them out and turn it off and you know, unscrew it so i could get it out because the the tone difference for me was it's it really big you know most people probably wouldn't notice it but my tinnitus is you know very, I have very a bit big, of very big business. And we also know that the um, the autistic society, they say that people with autism are somewhat attracted to products which make more pleasant sounds and certainly hate products which scream at them. So yeah, it helps yeah. people in all spectrums of life. Yeah, cool. I, I, I'm, uh, it's something that I'm very interested in this because of my tinnitus and, and mm. different. Th- but people who don't have it don't necessarily understand what can really affect it or make it worse very quickly like that mm-hmm. unfortunately nutribullet people you your product was one of them but you know we'll move on uh <laughs> otherwise i won't get through the questions uh, so uh we've got some questions here so so uh, how did you get into the field of acoustics and and have you seen how how has it changed since you started in the field you mentioned a 30-year career but how was how did you get into it and how has it changed well I would say I got into the field of acoustics earlier than even 30 years ago because I'm 53 now, but as an 11-year-old boy, I was a singer in a choir. And I remember being in a church, a beautiful old church in Kings Langley where I lived and recognizing that when we sang together, the effect of the building on the way we sang was just so beautiful, the the reverberation, the echo, but it just meant you sang better because it sounded great. In fact, just quickly on that note, I mean, I know an organist called Wade Bray, who's an acoustician. He plays organs all over the world. He likes those big sort of organs that you see in cinemas in the old days. He loves them. And he said that there was a piece of music once that he was trying to play, but couldn't quite play it. And then one day he sat at an organ in the right space and it, and the playing of that song just came out of him because the the blend of the musician the the uh, musical instrument the sound of the instrument and the room just made it happen. And then when he went home and tried to play it again, thinking I can do it now, he couldn't play it again because the acoustics was so important. And so, as a choir boy, as a drummer in bands, as someone who's a record buyer who loves the Royal Albert Hall, the Festival Hall, the yeah. you know the the, 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 the Brixton Academy. I've always sort of, when I've gone to see bands, as much as enjoying what I'm watching, also enjoyed how they sound in that space. And you go to certain venues because they sound good. So it was always there, even though I was working in visual effects. I, I, as a musician and a drummer, I, I appreciated acoustics. Um, fast forward to about 2016, and I built the home of the future for a company called Unruly, which was the home of 2020 in 2016. And it was asking questions about how will data transform the way that brands can have conversations with consumers in their connected home, the, the advent of the connected home. In that yep. experiment, I interviewed tons of people uh, about what will the home of the future be like. And I talked to biophilic designers about plants in the homes. One of the people I interviewed for that experiment was Poppy Skeeler, who's the founder of the Quartmark uh, society, the Quartmark uh, Quart Market Approval Limited. I met Poppy and asked her what the sound of the future was going to be. She spoke very much, not just about loud noises, but also about the fact that we were going to, she, she predicted we're going to be spending a lot more time on Zoom calls in the future. I don't think she knew a pandemic was coming, but she could see this technology was taking off. And so she talks about the beeps and squeaks, the notification sounds. Also, even though they're quite quiet, they can be quite irritating. So yeah. anyway, I met Poppy on that experiment and we developed 
a great uh, collaboration on that project. We also developed a lovely, genuine friendship. She's a very good friend of mine. And then when that project came to an end, I thought, right, I know who I'm going to call for my next job. So I called Poppy and she said, we'd love to have you on board. We're expanding and we're developing new areas. So I joined QuietMark and... Um, so and then I became very much involved with the work that they're doing, doing their storytelling as a marketing person. Then we launched a platform which was um, certified building products, like I said earlier, you yeah. know, walls, floors, doors, ceilings. Yes. And the point we were about, we launched that in February 2020, and I was about to take that on the road to architectural practices and say we now have this platform called Acoustics Academy, use it. But of course, I couldn't go out to the architectural practices to tell them about this platform because the pandemic locked us down. So we started a podcast where we talked about, where I interviewed acousticians in the built environment. Uh, uh, you know, leading acousticians who'd worked on some of the biggest, most famous, like Cold Drops Yards, the Shard, the Louvre Museum. Amazing acousticians whose job it was to make sure the places sounded great. And I thought this is really good. We know a lot about visual design when we see a space. We often talk about yeah. the visuals, but we often don't, we take for granted if a place sounds right, but you certainly know when it sounds wrong because it doesn't feel right. Yes. And yeah. so through this podcast, like I say, which is now 42 episodes, I've spoken to tons of amazing acousticians. It's been a real privilege and it's really sort of elevated my understanding and appreciation of what it takes to acoustically improve a space and the impact it has on the occupants of that space. Cool. And, and it's, it's, it's interesting because years ago, people wouldn't have thought about this in any way, shape or form, but we work a lot with Accenture and their UK office, which is just down the road from us here, uh, Fenchurch Street, they have, they've put a lot of effort and research into acoustics uh, and you can tell by walking around the floors, it's, you know, even though, even when I'm in there, a very loud Australian, my, my voice doesn't carry and it doesn't reverberate through the floor. It's, it's very cool. You know, you talk and then it's gone. They've got quiet areas, but then they've got a cafe where they don't have any of that on because they want the vibe of people and they want the noise and, and all that sort of thing. So it, it's quite cool. And then in, in New York, they've, they've got nine floors and each floor has a different look and feel, mm -hmm. but they've, put a lot of time and effort into the acoustics and how it should sound and, and you know reducing echo and reducing noise and they've got different meeting rooms they've got the telephone booths they've got bigger small medium and large meeting rooms but the the acoustics even when you're in the kitchen areas you know they've done they've designed the acoustics in the kitchen to make it a little bit more vibrant when you're in a kitchen because you want that brilliant water water cooler talk and then you're at the desk you want concentration so the noise dampening is is big it's it's i never thought about it so much until the last few years coming back to an office and then working with people like accenture and they do it for themselves and they do it for other people it's it it does really make a difference of how you physically feel in a space it really does. In fact, it's so associated with feeling. It's funny because if you say to someone, describe a building that you went to, they'll often lead with the visual description. They say, oh, it had beautiful walls and it had lovely glass, uh, uh, stained glass windows or whatever it might be. They go very, they immediately go for the colors and the visual. But if you say to someone, how did it sound when you went there? They'll go, uh, ooh. Uh, but then if you say to them, how did you feel? when you went yeah. there they go oh, I just felt so comfortable like you just described Accenture which sounds like a yeah. you know they've orchestrated their soundscape and that's what we how we describe it and so yeah. like I say when people say how did you feel and they go oh, I felt so comfortable when I was in there it's sound that's really integral to that well-being feeling yeah it, it, it is it really is and uh, uh, that comes on to one of the other questions actually how can noise impact employees 
and does this filter back to employers? Massively is the answer to that question. So the British Journal of Psychology did a paper a few years ago and they said that background noise can make us 66% less productive. It really can stop you from being able to get on with a task. So by that token, if you're 66% less productive, two-thirds less productive, your day by mathematics becomes potentially two-thirds longer to get the same amount done. And if that's the case, you're working later, you might get stressed because you're getting home later. The stress might cause you to sleep not as well because you're thinking about the tasks that you had difficulty completing. And then you don't sleep well, you go to work the next day and you're feeling tired and it can be this really bad loop. And it's the sound that in fact impacts the employees. And in fact, one of the things on that subject that's really key right now, obviously we all know about the great resignation. And back in um, May uh, this year, there was a piece in the BBC News that says that almost one in five UK workers say that they're likely to change jobs in the next 12 months as they seek better pay and job satisfaction, as a survey by uh, PricewaterhouseCooper uh, suggested. And it also said that it found that young, younger, highly skilled workers were most likely to be unhappy in their jobs or seeking a raise. 60% of them said they'd prefer to work uh, fully or mostly from home. And there's this index, which is called the Leesman Index, which has found yeah. that 71% of employees uh, say that noise is important to them, but only 33% of them are happy. And Leesman is this sort of benchmark. It's, yeah, uh, an, it's Leesman, a, yeah. yeah, so you know it's this employee database, which has yeah. interviewed a million employees in 107 countries. And except, cutting to the chase, you know, they say, what's the difference between a place that works well and a place that doesn't work well. And the bottom line they say on their website is it's acoustics. If you prepare good acoustics, you talked about the Accenture place. It's, you know, gone are the days and now of this sort of open plan offices where you're elbow to elbow at terminals where you've just got someone on the phone next to you. <laughs> people don't want to go from home back to that. They don't, you know, or a space where people are talking on Zoom calls and everyone's just wearing headphones. You want different zones. And so, yeah, it's... Um, and there's also, you know, so yeah, it's really causing people to leave, to not want to go back to the office. And what does make them to stay in the office is when a place sounds good. Because like I said, it's about how you feel. Yeah, it it it, it really is. And that's why no one sits next to me because I'm a loud Australian. Uh, <laughs> on that, how do, how do acoustics relate to wellness? You, you, the productivity you just mentioned there is one of the big ones, right? And, and that, is, that is key because you don't want it to be loud concentration is key so how does how does how does acoustics relate to wellness on that front we, we, from what you've just said about acoustics and productivity that's number one sure. but what, what are the other bits wrapped around it okay well there's many elements of wellness in fact you know at the head of the show you mentioned that last year i was appointed to the homes and sound advisory boards of yes. the well building institute and anyone who's familiar with well will know that just as QuietMark is a certification, when you see that purple Q, you know it's a quiet product. The well certificate, you can see it on a building. When you see the well certification on a building, or if it achieves that certification, you know that it has been designed and refurbished and renovated to achieve the well standard. Yes, and yeah. there are ten there are ten concepts that make up the well standard. So when they when the people from well um, go over to verify the space or certify the place, you know they go around with their clipboards checking all sorts of things, but they're checking. Light quality, air quality, thermal quality, water quality, and sound quality is one of the 10 concepts. And we know um, 
in any space if you've i've worked in places in my past which were like a car park where it was sweltering <laughs> hot in the summer freezing yeah. <laughs> in the winter there was a flickering neon light bulb above me um and it just wasn't conducive to productive work and what, what accenture has done i don't know if that particular building has achieved well standard but it certainly sounds like they've taken that into consideration but once you get those elements we all know any space if you've ever worked in a nasty space then you work in a space where it's been really decorated and prepared for the well-being of the stuff you know where you work better you know where you feel happier and as i say sound is one of those concepts in well but it's also just it's because it's invisible sound gets overlooked people will spend ages at a table looking at color swatches and materials what sort of countertops are we going to have what sort of colors are we going to have on the wall but they often don't ask themselves how do we want this place to sound but i think that post pandemic sound has moved up the priority level we used to go very much for the the pinterest visual boards when we were designing any space and that was natural but i think that what happened in the pandemic is that sound because of the the three biggest causes of uh noise by man by mankind are air traffic road traffic and construction and those three things stopped mostly under lockdown and when they stopped Seismometers across the world, which measure, measure sounds, showed that there was a wave of silence spread across the planet, which reduced noise in the planet by 50% all over the world. You can see uh, a oh, chart wow. on YouTube showing the needles drop. People then said, and it happened, I don't know if you remember the lockdown's weather in London, if you were here, but it was the, like the glorious summer. Birds were singing. You could hear the wind in the trees. Yeah. You could hear waves in the sea if you lived near the, near the ocean. And yeah. suddenly... Um, a connection with nature became an antidote to our fears at this really uncertain time. And effectively, you know, I I love the film Spinal Tap with the uh, amplifier going up to 11, but once upon a time, the needle was up to 10. And the pandemic made the needle go down to five. And what we ask at Quarmark is, does it have to go back to 10 again? And what we're finding is that when people are designing products and spaces where sound used to be a bit of an afterthought, it's shoulder to shoulder with visuals more so yeah. these days. I didn't know about that during the pandemic. I'm going to have to go and look that up because it, it did I'll send you a it, link. It, it, yeah, please do. But I imagine it was a huge difference, huge, huge difference. I mean, there was still some construction. I, I have a wife and three kids, a cat and a dog and two cats. So I, I'm, I, <laughs> I came into the office every day during lockdown, but London was deathly quiet. I mean, it was mm. phenomenal. Sometimes I was the only person on London bridge. It was, it, it was very quiet. But you uh, know something, just ne- on that, you use the phrase there, deathly quiet. And sometimes what you're trying to achieve as well isn't silence, because silence can actually be quite scary. And so at Quiet Mark, when we're saying, we, when we say orchestrate your soundscape or improve yep. sound quality, the goal isn't dead silence, because actually, you know, no one can hear you yeah. scream in space is <laughs> the old uh, <laughs> yeah. alien, in alien line. No one really wants yeah. that. You kind of want ambient sound. You want sound, to be able to yeah. hear kids playing in the playground across yeah. the road or whatever yeah. it might be yeah you want or birdsong for cer- certainly but you just want to be able to control those levels with good glazing yeah. or good flooring or whatever it might be yeah yeah silence isn't the goal no very true uh, I, I i don't really shut up so you don't ever get much silence for me but ha- <laughs> how can how can how can employers or landlords make their spaces quieter or their offices quieter Good question. What's, what's the easiest thing? Because you you could go from one extreme to the other. But what are some what are some of the basics that can pe- people can do rather than having to completely retrofit a whole building or a floor or multiple sure. floors? How can you do something quite easily to to have have an effect? 
Well, we call it well-being-led design, okay? And one of the guests on our podcast is a guy called Adam Cossey, who's a, a partner at Hawkins Brown, who are the seventh biggest architectural practice in the, in the UK. So he knows what he's talking about. They did some tests, and they found that before the pandemic, you needed six desks per 10 people in an office. But what they found post-pandemic with hybrid working models is that we've gone from six desks for 10 to three desks for 10. So you can take three desks per 10 people out of the office now, which gives you a lot more room. So you don't need open plan rows of desks shoulder to shoulder. You need to create spaces. And the Accenture example you gave was great because you said that there are some shut... So we've, we certify various products that enable this. So if I talk to you about Vetra Space, they make meeting rooms which have glass doors which you can shut. Yeah. And they can do. They could be from a single-person phone booth to an eight-person, 12-person meeting room. Um, you can have uh, meeting pods by Blocko, which are these sort of uh, acoustic pods that you can sit in. They're quite open, but they've got a table in them. But you can work and you can block out some of the background noise. And I think the thing about any workspace is you want the sand pit, the collaboration space. Otherwise, we could all work from home. There are certain tasks that you want to go into the office and be face-to-face and get into that sand pit. And that's going to be quite a loud area. And it should be because it generates the ideas and the energy. But then you also want to go away and do your powerpoint build or your you know your thing that you want to do on your own focused and so what you should do with the space that you've saved by not having so many desks is create plant areas like areas for biophilia plants can be a great um, absorber of sound but you also want to create booths pods meeting spaces open plan areas and mix it up so that someone with their laptop isn't sitting there at their desk thinking i can't work here they think i'll go over here and i'll be able to work really well and you can do that with a variety of products and we we certify them and it's not just booths and pods because that's objects you can also put in different types of flooring so if you've got wooden flooring you can get something called lvt luxury vinyl tiling right which uh tile flooring which is it looks like real wood or it looks like real stone. You wouldn't know it. I've got it in the room behind me, as you can see here. That looks like wood. You wouldn't know. But the, the impact noise on it and the noise that transfers to the floor below is reduced by up to 22, 21 decibels, which is really significant because it's been designed to be an acoustic flooring. So you can put uh, um, acoustic plaster systems on your ceiling, which increase speech privacy by companies like Rockfon or Baswell or Armacoat. These ceilings absorb sound much more than just a flat plaster ceiling, which bounces sound yeah. around. Your tr- and you can install furniture. So there's a company called Buzzy Space that do um, acoustic furniture, acoustic lighting, and more felt, more absorbent sponge yeah. in them, but really beautifully yeah. designed. And the more you put in all these acoustic things like the walls, the floors, the furniture, and you also do you reduce the sound of things. So if you've got a kitchen in the office, which I used to work in a space where the kitchen was right by my desk, and if you put in quiet mark certified kettles like Julep make the classic is a very quiet, yeah. whisper quiet kettle, for example, or quiet coffee machines by Melita. If you choose quieter things, quieter fridges, things that emit sound and more sound absorptive materials, and take less desks and make it more zonal. You're on to a winner. Perfect. And and I, you can you could again with that. You don't have to throw the baby out with the bathwater and do a whole new floor. You could start to do that piece by piece, right? So absolutely. You know, I mean, yeah. even the most basic thing. I'm you know putting a rug on the floor in certain areas might help. Whatever you can do to absorb sound. And obviously, professional acousticians should go in if you want to do a real overhaul. Yeah, but yeah. just of, just of that sort of off the shelf solution that you're talking about. I mean. We've got pages on our Acoustics Academy where you can go to office and see what sort of products you can get. But generally speaking, yes, there's a whole variety of things you can do. It just, uh, 
it takes a little bit of thought and you know and it will make a massive difference cool well Simon, I've, I've, that, that is the last one, but we always have our quick fire round of questions. So I'm going to oh, get good. these off to you uh, and then I, then I need to jump. But I really do appreciate the time. And with someone with tinnitus, sound, sound does make a big difference for me. So it's, it's been really good having you on. So I'm going to fire the questions at you. So what, what was your first ever job? My first ever job was as a receptionist at Molinaire, uh, who were just off Carnaby Street. They're a post-production company who still get credits on TV shows. And that, that enabled me to be the post-production supervisor on the wonderful Father Ted, amongst many other things. So, yeah, that was my first ever job. Oh, cool. Very cool. It's, not, it's much cooler than my first job. Uh, where, 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 when and where are you most productive? Uh, in the room that I'm sitting in now, I think. Uh, my I, my children are now older, so my eldest daughter's moved out and I've acquired a really nice-sized bedroom, which I'm sitting in now. Paint it <laughs> a very calming green. It's green, full of yeah. plants. It's got nice furnishings. It's got teak furniture from the 1950s. I feel like Don Draper gone wrong. So, so, <laughs> so uh, But, but uh, it's very calm. I've got, and again, I've got bay. I'm very lucky. I've got bay windows, so light. Yeah. The thermal quality is really good. The light quality, yeah. the sound is very good, and yeah, I'm very productive in this space. Thank you. Nice. And what's your favourite book? I think my favourite book is um, Murakami's IQ84 uh, by Haruki Murakami. Um, he's one of my favourite authors. Uh, Drive My Car was a great film last year, which is based on one of his novels. But that is a, a wonderful book worth checking out. What about when you're not working? How do you spend your time? I imagine it's doing something in the audio world, is it? All sorts of things. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm really into nature. So um, I think, again, with the reconnection to nature through sound, uh, I, I'm a massive bike rider, dog walker, gardener, and art gallery visitor and cinema and film and all of that. But I'm, yeah. I think really what I'm trying to do now, because we do work from home, is I like to be outside and I love planting plants in my garden, walking my dog to the local nursery, bringing some plants back and uh, being very hippie and green. <laughs> I'm, well, I'm learning to be, uh, uh, to be green in, in, in the green thumb or green fingered in the garden. My wife uh, got us an allotment, so I'm, I'm actually doing more oh, of that wow. than I've ever done. We don't have any plants in our backyard. It's, it's grass, a big shed full of bikes and you know, well, there's grass and then there's patches that the dogs dug up, but that's about it. So, <laughs> So I am doing it. We are growing courgettes, raspberries, strawberries, lettuce, carrots, and a whole heap of other stuff. So not 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 plants per se, but but fruit and veg. It's uh, funny, hasn't the, hasn't the pandemic led to a lot of people becoming more like the Good Life? I don't know if you remember. Yes, or, yeah, I remember you know, it very well. Tom, Tom and Barbara well. Good yeah. is, the, is the the new rock and roll. <laughs> Only took us five years to get in a lot, and our name's been down for a long time. So we're living it up now. Uh, What's the what's the favourite office you've you've ever worked uh, in? Prop Tech Ramble. Uh, well, today I am joined office. by Simon um, Gosling, I think uh, the when CMO I worked, of Quietmark. Um, Simon, you have gosh, uh, that's a really quite really a long good question. Actually, I think when I worked at uh, the Moving Picture Company, and funnily enough, that was an open plan, loud office. But I wasn't fifty three; I was thirty three, <laughs> and uh, and it was a different time. And uh, I really enjoyed working at uh, at the Moving Picture Company, but but it I, but I wouldn't want to go there again today, to be honest with you, because yeah. I would find it too loud and off-putting. But at that time, that was the energy, that was the vibe. I was in Soho, I was going to see bands, and it was rock and roll, and nice. it's kind of what I wanted at that time. Different time yeah. in my life. Yeah, same. I, I have to say, my, mine is my, mine mine. Uh, I, I probably couldn't have picked one. I'm the same. When I was young, I worked at a company called Level Three, and it was very very loud and very vibrant. But we we're all 
delivering data centers all over the world under budget and on time. <laughs> and by, by doing that, they're allowing us to pretty much do whatever we want. So we had lots of parties. But I would say now, my, mine is the Accenture office in New York. I don't think I've been to a better one yet. Uh, although they're building, they're doing it, the Fenchurch Street, they're doing well. So there could be some competition, but we'll see how it goes. <laughs> uh, and, and knowing what you know now, what, what advice would you give your younger self? I think to my younger self, um, carry on drumming, but do some gardening. <laughs> Perfect. Simon, thank you very much for being on. Uh, it's been a pleasure to meet you. Uh, and, and I hopefully people on uh, listening to this or when they do listen to this, obviously it's not live, uh, but there, there's a lot to be, uh, there's a lot to be listened to about sound. Indeed there is. And it's been a pleasure chatting to you about it. So thank you for inviting me to your show. Pleasure. Lovely. Thank you very much, Simon. And for those listening, uh, thank you very much. Cheers, everybody.